Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you are looking for mental stability, I can tell you I don't have mental stability. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long tenure in therapy. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. And, and a lot of, well, myself included. If you let my friend go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will probably have a tough time confronting you because I have social anxiety and a fear of confrontation. What's going on, guys? Happy Friday. Welcome back to Life's a Wreck, the podcast where I, Kyle Moore, uh, and the voice of my mental health. Uh, I'm just I'm just eating. Continue. I'll hop okay. in in a second. Okay. Uh, talk about the world of mental health with special guests and, of course, amongst ourselves. Um, before we get into the episode, though, I just... Okay, I'm done. Didn't... Didn't need an update. That's... <laughs> okay, well, you got it. Okay, so. Like I was saying, uh, we've got a few things that we got to get into um, before we get into one of the most interesting episodes... I mean, that I personally think that we've done yet because it's on a topic that we haven't learned about, um, I don't think at all on this podcast, really. So, like, I'm just, I'm, I'm really stoked to be sharing this conversation with you guys. We're talking schizophrenia, and not only do we get to share this chat, um, you know, that we that we had, but it's with a man who grew up one town over from us. Like, this is a this is a Charlotte County represent kind of episode, and you just, and you love to see it. Absolutely, we do. Uh, first, though, I did just want to remind you guys, you know, that uh, although you might not be able to see it, um, you know, I've, I've, I've been growing, I've been growing a little something, something, I've been growing a little something, something, little, uh, little caterpillar on my, uh, upper lip. And, uh, you know, this is, uh, in support of, uh, Movember, the Movember foundation. Um, and there's still a little over a week left to donate to my Movember fund Dude, all month long. This Sesame street character has been growing just like the most atrocious porn stash. And, and somehow we've raised like just under $700 for the Movember foundation, uh, in support of men's health, how I don't, I don't get, I don't know. It is this almost a seven hundred dollar mustache, man. You know, the mustache. It, it, for some, it could be sickening because of how uh, gorgeous it is. You know, like it, it belittles 
puny little unsophisticated minds like yours. It's just there's a, there's an element of beauty that you just you know you can't. Uh, our brain, so it's a bit of a self burn. Okay, whatever. Uh, if we do hit our goal of raising one thousand dollars for the cause, I'm going to pair this absolute beauty with really the only thing you can pair with a mustache, uh, a mullet. And, and you know who doesn't who doesn't want to see that? Me. So you can head over to the link in the description and donate if you feel so inclined. I uh, would really appreciate it, and definitely want to hit our goal for this month. Uh, this last week, we're going to be making a big push, so uh, any little bit helps, and uh, we would really appreciate it. You know, or, or don't donate. You know, we we really can't tell you what to do. Can't argue with you there. Uh, and here's another thing that we can't force you to do, but it, you know, that would be great. So you guys know that we, you know, we here at Life's Wreck have a little bit of like a, you know, a little bit of a man crush over at the, uh, you know, those boys over at Tether. Brains and beauty. My God, they're incredible. Well, if you head over to the Google Play and App Store today and download Tether, I mean, like nothing really happens except for the fact that you'll be exposed to the only social media network that has been designed for men to have a place to connect with other men who understand the struggles of mental illness. Just a little something, just just that, just simply a virtual safe space for every man on the planet. It's fantastic. Yeah, we've been members on the platform for months, and it's like maybe even close to a year now, and it's amazing. So go download Tether, uh, start connecting today. It's just been it's just been the best. Um, anything else? I mean, dude, honestly, like I don't anything that we miss, we will put down in the description. Uh, and like, I think we just get into it. La- last episode was a lot of editing. It was fun. <laughs> But yeah, yeah exactly. Hey, listen, I'll play the I'll play the role of like the devil on your shoulder here, like you know, like take it easy, introduce the guest. Yeah, like, you right. got a, You got a point, and and this is one that like I this is an episode that I think truly speaks for itself. Like you don't have to have all the fanfare and, and whatever else. Um, like we talked about at the beginning of the episode, schizophrenia uh, is something that we haven't had the opportunity to talk about yet on the podcast. Um, I think it's like you know the world of mental health is so dense that it's really easy to get caught up in focusing on the things that you kind of like directly understand or you have firsthand accounts of and so in our case like OCD and anxiety are things that we focus on a lot um so when I heard from Matthew Dixon who reached out looking to open up a dialogue about schizophrenia I was I was stoked not only that but you know St. Andrews New Brunswick like fellow maritimer like I said earlier and I'm going to keep hammering this home you know he's from Charlotte County just like us this is like I'm, I'm this is awesome. Charlotte County boys talking about uh mental health you just it's it's honestly it just warms my heart you love to see it Um, Like you'll hear in the interview, Matthew was diagnosed with schizophrenia back in his early 20s and combated the disease for around 27 years until recently when his symptoms finally started to subside and he regained his full health. Matthew now helps people with mental illness in developing countries so that they can get access to basic mental health care through his MindAid platform. MindAid.ca acts as a hub that steers people towards organizations working for this cause. These organizations use models of basic mental health care that are low cost, proven effective and scalable. Uh, it, it was just like, honestly, it was a, a, a true pleasure to have him on the podcast. And I really hope that you guys will get as much out of this conversation as I did. Um, Matthew, thank you for taking the time, man. How you doing? How am I? I'm doing pretty well. I, I mean, I, I've got some things going on in my life that I'd rather not have going on. But overall, I shouldn't complain because... I mean, I I grew up in Charlotte County. Yep. Your neck of the woods. Yes, yeah. No, trust me, we'll get into it, no worries. <laughs> yeah, in uh, New Brunswick, Canada. Yeah. And my life growing up was fine, but uh, I got schizophrenia in my early 20s, late mm-hmm. teens, early 20s, and life became very rough. Mm-hmm. I, it took 27 years to recover, and it was February 11th of this year, 2021, and my, my symptoms just stopped. Wow. So where I, where I am right now, just in general, is 
pretty good. Um, I, I mean, I, a lot of people don't get their full health back. Mm -hmm. Um, I, and I, I have, yeah, I'm about that. I'm, I'm incredibly lucky and, uh, yeah, I've got some minor frustrations throughout the day. Uh, but it's, uh, I, it's, it's, it's honestly such a gift to be able to mm. just ride over that stuff mm. instead of just being buffeted by the storm. Yeah. It's, uh, an analogy I've used for, uh, for many years is it's the difference between being tossed about by the waves in a storm versus up riding the waves on a surfboard. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that, man. I love that. I've always been, um, I've, one of the big things that's helped me cope throughout my life is I use analogies for almost everything. Um, and it's something that I find has helped me uh, communicate better with uh, people about the maybe more nuanced uh, areas of mental illness when you can kind of say, you know, like, uh, you know, on the Simpsons when Homer, did, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, yeah, I've, I've used plenty of analogies myself. One of my favorites being that um, with my uh, diagnosis of anxiety and OCD, I would feel like I would uh, I would wake up in the morning and I would go 12 rounds with OCD. And then uh, and then I'd go, whew, that was a tough fight. I guess we're done for the day. And then I'd hear the bell ring again and I'd see this OCD, you know, even bigger guy get in the ring and he would pummel me for another 12 rounds. And you did that day in and day out. And you were just like, oh, my God, this is exhausting. Um, you know, one of the things I, I'm, I'm so curious about because I haven't really had the opportunity to get too, um, deep into the world of schizophrenia. It is one of those things that I haven't, uh, up until yourself, I haven't had anybody reach out, um, who has dealt with schizophrenia and who wants to share their experiences. Um, and so, you know, this is a podcast where, I mean, I'm really fortunate. Every guest that I talk to always brings something that's so unique and special to the table. And it's like, it's the coolest thing in the world for me to be able to hear all of these stories. Um, and I guess like, I, I just am really looking forward for the opportunity to, to learn uh, from you today, from your firsthand experiences. Um, and I kind of just want to like start out by, you know, after hearing that you had a fairly, you know, and I'll use quotation marks because everybody's life is kind of crazy, but normal childhood. Um, and then, uh, and then your symptoms started to show up in your late teens, early twenties. I mean, like, what did that look like? And when did you kind of realize like, you're like, oh, this is schizophrenia. Yeah. So I, I don't have many complaints about my youth, but mm. when I was 17, well, in my first year of university, I, I, I described it to myself as low on energy. Mm. And I went to see the university health clinic uh, doctor there. He sent me for blood work. My blood work came back fine. And he said, you know, you know, try to focus on the future and, mm. uh, and sort of send me out the door. Nice guy. Yeah. But this would have been 1989, 90, the winter. Mm. And so I walked out the door and tried to focus on the future. Right. And slowly over the next four or five years, my symptoms would sink in more. Mm -hmm. And I went through a phase of those sort of one symptom a year, roughly, you could say, would, would sink in. Mm -hmm. And what were those and, progressive symptoms? Yeah, so... One of the so low in energy in the first year, and mm. then my second year, I started to feel a bit numb just mm. emotionally. Mm. And the third year, I was that's when my vision started to go. Mm. And I, I mean, I, I could still see everything, it's just uh, it felt like I was looking at things in two dimensions, mm. not three. Mm. And wow. I've read that people with schizophrenia they 
uh, and perhaps other mental illnesses, I don't know. They feel like it's watching, they're watching, it's like what life for them is like watching TV. Mm. It's like you, you see everything clearly, right? But you can't interact with the people on the screen. You just, it's a feeling of disconnectedness, mm. cut off. Yeah. And that's, that was in my third year. My fourth year, uh, it's, uh, I, I just, I was starting to get more confused, I guess. Uh, confusion is one of the symptoms. Mm -hmm. and, but overall, the symptoms weren't, I mean, I would I talk to my friends about them, but this was the early 90s. I don't think Prozac had even been put on the market by right. then. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't, yeah, I hadn't heard about mental illness. I mean, we, we learned about mental health and health class in high school. Wow. Yeah. But uh, I didn't know about antidepressants or depression. Yeah, or I can't imagine that was a super, you know, like intricate mental health seminar in a health class back in the 90s. It's not yeah. now, so I can't even imagine back then. Yeah. So anyway, I I muddled through life. I mean, but it wasn't on the outside. I was taking engineering. Mm -hmm. I was I bicycled across Canada when I was 20 and after my third year. I was on the UNB rowing team for a year and a half. I did did a triathlon. I was living on my own. I had government jobs mm -hmm. uh, in the summertime, which paid for all my university plus more. And but I had these feelings going on, and I could still do all this stuff. But when the disease hit, it hit hard. Mm. And <clears throat> just within a matter of weeks, I well, I went. I I I was scared for my life, to be honest. Yeah, and like, I, I can't imagine. He said, why don't you go up to the, the university health clinic, which I did, again, a different university. And they took me to the psych ward in, in the town. And that, that was my introduction into the mental health system. Wow. And, how, yeah. and, and once you were actually, you know, really caught up in the machine of the mental health system, like how long were you in the psych ward? I was in and out of there in 1994, about six or seven times, wow. anywhere yeah. from a few days to a few months. And after that, 95, 96, 97, I was in a group home. Wow. Just just because of that, that day-to-day -day was just impossible to manage on your own? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was the feelings that go through you. I mean, you want to talk about symptoms. The anxiety, just the anxiety alone. Yeah. It felt like I had a machete stuck through my chest and someone was on the handle, but just grinding it into me all day long. That, it, I yearned, I yearned for something as beautiful as butterflies in my stomach. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I can, I can, well, yeah. I mean, after a machete in your chest, yeah, that sounds like a nice little switch up. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, it's, and I mean, they tell it's the, uh, every, I mean, I'm so far out of that now, <laughs> so far past the mental, like being, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah cared for in the mental health system and every so often i'll meet someone and they've got a son or someone they know has just been diagnosed with maybe schizophrenia or another mental illness and it takes me back to the time of the unknown mm. just the fear the chaos what do we do just the yeah what does that uh, word mean to you because obviously like you just said unknown and i could just see the emotion, the, you know, the expression, like I could see how expressive you were about that word. Like, what does that word mean to you? Given your experiences, that's a lot. I mean, the, 
one thing I like to tell people, because I, 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 I sort of have two audiences and I have to be careful what I say to each because <laughs> people going through mental illness, uh, people who haven't gone through mental illness, what my key message for them is trying to get across to them how bad it really is. But for the people who have mental illness, they know yeah. the severity of it. And my message to them is, yes, it's bad, but it's possible to get through it. Mm-hmm. it really is. It's it's not this, it's, when I was first, when the, when the pain first hit, you get this feeling of impossibility. Like yeah. it's not, you think I can't do this. It's not, it, it, the feeling is it's not humanly possible to get through this. Yeah. But it's seemingly humanly impossible, mm-hmm. seemingly. Mm-hmm. It, it's very, 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 very tricky. It, it really pulls the wool over your eyes. It's, it's, it, it basically feels like you're set out every day, you're set out on a path and you're trying to do the impossible. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I didn't have dreams for the first few years. Uh, my brain just stopped dreaming at night. And after some a few years, I guess, it started. I started having dreams again. And I remember I went through a spell of having a dream. I was floating about 10 feet off the ground or so, just floating. I couldn't hang on to anything. There's nothing around me, just floating. And I would slowly sink like a, a balloon, just sort of slowly sinking. And there were these wolves down below me jumping up, trying to get me, like to eat me. Oh my God. And the only way I could get out of their reach was to will myself. I couldn't pull on anything. I couldn't push on anything. I couldn't breathe and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. wave my hands around trying to cause some air. <laughs> I couldn't fly, fly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I willed myself to just move up a little bit higher, just out of their grasp, mm. out of their reach. And it, it's that feeling of just willing yourself to do these impossible tasks yeah. but it's 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 uh it's tough it's really I, tough yeah I, I i remember i mean i know my own experiences like i would always say that um you know people who have went through mental health challenges um you know you hear so many different accounts as to kind of like the things that they were most afraid of um because it, or, or the things that tired them out the most or whatever it might be because literally on the day-to-day you are fighting challenges that are invisible and unknown and that is terrifying because not only do you have to deal with just the human experience of interacting on day-to-day life and what it means to be a human being but like you're also just there's a whole mental landscape that is between your ears that you're not safe in and like not only are you not safe but it's like you know using another floating analogy it's almost like you're floating in a in a room that is completely black and there's nothing, but you know that there's something dangerous somewhere. You can't see anything. You can't feel anything. You have no sense of perception, but you think and you know in your, you know, in your soul that there is something in there that is scary and it is going to come. But when it comes, you know, I got to be ready. And it is just this sense of just like tense and tense and tense. And I always said that like one of the things that was the worst part about going through, um, I guess we, what you could call the worst of my own experiences with my mental health um, was the idea of hope. Because for me, like the idea of hope gave some form of structure to this thing that, ha- that, that was impossible to have a structure. Like it gave like, you know, if you're using the same floating analogy, it gave a little sliver of light in this dark room. And you'd like look and you'd be like, oh, 
oh, I can, there's something out there and I can get out there, but this has become so familiar and I don't know, I don't even know what this is. This is so scary. So I don't even, even want to think about that because, you know, who knows what's through that. And that's a whole other challenge that I got to think about and I can't even handle this. And so I just, uh, you know, the, the idea of the unknown, it was one of the earliest podcast episodes I ever did. And I wanted to get your take on it because when I saw how expressive you got about the word unknown, I was like, oh, that's something that I know I, I feel all too well. And I know that so many other people, it's just that same gripping fear of just that day to day. And that's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. It's, they tell you, I mean, when I was diagnosed, they said, well, Matthew, we believe you have schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. And hopefully with some treatment, you can get better. And I'm like thinking, when? Yeah. When is that? Like, show me, show me, I, I need a date, give me a timeline. Yeah. And they can't, they, they don't say, well, likely with this grade or this class of schizophrenia, you'll be better in two weeks or yeah. two months or two years. It's, uh, they say, try to find a, find a medication that works and good luck. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, I shouldn't say it that badly and that was me I mean that was my own case back in 1994 right but, uh it's just this unknown like will this pain ever stop yeah well what will was going it... through your head when they first said Matthew we think that you have schizophrenia so they the doctor said we think you have schizophrenia yeah. and that was sort of the end of the conversation and <laughs> mm. I thought okay well schizophrenia what's that i mean holy cow i mean i'd heard of split personality on on tv and movies that sort of thing a little bit but i didn't know anything about it mm-hmm. and i didn't even know anybody with it i didn't even know anybody in my own life and no celebrities i didn't know anybody with it in fact i remember writing in my diary i'd said uh i knew i know no one who's come, gone through this and come out the other side i know absolutely nobody mm-hmm. i had no role model hmm. not one single role model on that note, just add a bit of uh, a happiness. Cecilia Mago, I think it's Mago or Magoff. I forget how she pronounces her mm-hmm. name. M C E O U G H, mm-hmm. and she has schizophrenia. She has a TED talk called "I Am Not a Monster: Schizophrenia." She made that in 2015, and she has a students. It, it was ri- originally called "Students with Schizophrenia." But now it's called Students with Psychosis. Mm. She's in New York City. She has chapters all over the world of people with schizophrenia and psychosis. That is a wonderful resource for people with schizophrenia or psychosis who who want to find other people. It's, uh, yeah. I'll definitely, yeah, we'll we'll definitely um, attach that in the description of the uh, podcast. Um, What's what's the difference between um, psychosis and schizophrenia? So I'm not great on this. So psychosis, I believe, is just more of the hallucination part, Mm. the auditory or visual hallucination. With schizophrenia, 75% of people who have schizophrenia have uh, have hallucinations, auditory or visual, and or visual. Mm -hmm. And I was in the 25% that didn't. I've never hallucinated ever. Mm. I've never heard or seen anything. And with schizophrenia, I believe anxiety and depression uh, can often go hand in hand with that. I I had both of those mm. as well. It's uh, the the best way I can describe it is it, it's kind of a schizophrenia can kind of be more of a trippy uh, okay it has some trippy elements to it. I've never done drugs. I don't know what uh, a, drug, a bad acid trip or anything right, like that. Right. Right. But uh, I remember, for example, I at my worst, 
and and my symptoms did leave. I got on a medication that worked, although it worked incredibly slowly. Right. I, I noticed I noticed an improvement in my health every single week for my entire recovery. But at my worst, I remember it's this feeling of if I'm going for a walk, mm-hmm. and I just stopped, and and I felt like I didn't. I just wanted to keep going because I felt if I stopped walking, turned around and started walking the opposite direction. I'd go back in time mm. and it freaked mm. me out. I'm like, what? That's not. Yeah. It, yeah. It yeah. Made me afraid to like stop and look behind me. So I, I found with me, I sort of had this sort of walking a tightrope look to the way I walked, to the way mm. I sat there, just this eyes straight ahead um, and just sort of intense. It's, it's uh, I mean, my mom, she had a friend who said, I saw Matthew walking downtown the other day. This was 1994 at mm-hmm. my worst. And she said, he looked like he was walking through a world of flying glass. Mm. Wow. Like shrapnel. Yeah. Like yeah bombs yeah. going off. Bullets firing at you. It's just, it's, it's horrible. Just this chaos, this, this unknown, this, it's it, so. It sounds terrifying. I've told my story. I'm, one person I told my story to, and she said, Matthew, what you're describing to me is terror. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Like it, and, and it, you know, it truly sounds like something that's like, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's, I, I appreciate that you're at a point now where you can tell, you can talk about this and, and, and tell your story because like, that's just like, you know, the the person the the version of myself the who I am of going through the mental health challenges starting this podcast doing everything um, I don't know if I can ever say that I I had heard of such a descriptive description of what it means to just kind of like to to live that terror that mental illness can bring about um, and in your case obviously like you know you had dealt with a a mental illness that brought on such an extreme fear and anxiety. And that's just like, and and it's like, I'm I'm just really thankful that you're, you're able to talk about it like that because that's, I I think that like when you are able to describe things like that, it does in a, in a, in a way that, you know, very uh, inarticulately, I could call it in a a weird way. it, It makes it human. And I think, and it makes it, it makes it recognizable and it makes it more, it just makes it, it it makes it, yeah, it just gives a bit of familiarity to that idea because even though so many people can never, ever, myself included, understand what you went through, the idea of walking down the street and having basically glass bombs going off around you and just imagining what that would feel like, like that's, that's unbelievable. And like, it's, it's so scary. So, I mean, just like, just thank you for that description as somebody who loves to use descriptions about like how to, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's one that I can, I can definitely appreciate for sure. Um, what would you say is one of the biggest misconceptions surrounding schizophrenia? Well, I'll go back to Cecilia Mago's Ted talk. I am not a monster. Yeah. I, uh, she made that Ted talk in 2015 and she's early mid twenties now, I think. So, and I got thinking, you know, 2015, I, I got schizophrenia in 1994. Those were the modern times. I mean, we just lived through the eighties right. with like, with microwaves and <laughs> technology, synthesizers and music videos. The it height of tech. Yeah. Yeah. 
it was uh, 2015, and I thought, this girl has to still use the word monster with schizophrenia. She's still, it still has to be talked about with us. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying she shouldn't. I'm just saying it's just sad that that's the situation we're still in. And it's, a reality, it's uh, yeah. yeah, it's, uh, that was tough. It's, it's tough. It's, uh, tough to go through. I mean, with confusion, you always, with the disease, you're always doubting yourself, everything. Your mind goes round and round in circles. It never settles on anything certain. So you're always wondering, it's, uh, this is tough to say. I spent the first maybe six, seven, eight years or so thinking not, how do I put, I have to be careful how to put this because I don't want people to screw it. I never had any intention of hurting anybody. Never. Mm-hmm. I did. I was concerned at times that I might hurt myself. Yeah. But I never, the last thing in the world I wanted to do was hurt anybody. I I didn't play hockey in high school because I didn't like the violence. I didn't like the fighting. I, I, I've never hit anybody in my entire life. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like it. I like getting along. I like having fun. And to all of a sudden have this disease and have your brain turn into cottage cheese and you can't think straight. And so you're always doubting yourself. Well, am I, am I going to hurt somebody? Mm-hmm. It, it, you, you know, you're not, but then you don't know you're not. It's, yeah. it just goes round and round. So you have this extreme anxiety for no reason about everything. Plus you're confused and, and you know, am I going to hurt somebody? And like, you can't say to yourself, Matthew, come on, give your head a shake. Like, yeah. come on, you're not going to hurt. Anybody. Come on, get on with your day. You can't, mm-hmm. you just constantly worry. It, it was one more worry. And it wasn't until six, seven, eight years into my recovery, and I read somewhere, people with schizophrenia are no more prone to violence than the rest of the general population. Hey, uh, just just read, say it again for the people in the back there, by the way, you know. <laughs> people with schizophrenia are no more prone to violence than the rest of the general population. Amazing. Yeah. I read that and I breathed a sigh of relief. Mm. And at the same time, I got mad. It's like, why didn't anybody come <laughs> sooner? Right? Seriously. Yeah, of course. Seriously, I mean, I mean, it didn't make me. It didn't take away my anxiety. I mean, I didn't, wasn't magically cured that day, mm-hmm. but it took an element of of unknown out of that. Mm. And it was. I, I that's I still wish more people knew that I it's uh, still schizophrenia is still on the edges of mental health. We're, I mean, we're talking about mental health, mental health all the time now. Yeah. But schizophrenia and other mental illnesses are still not talked about as much. And I'm trying to change that. Yeah. And and yeah. And I, and I think you're, you're doing a great job of it. Um, I think the the interesting uh element and, and something that i love to talk about and that's a, a huge passion of mine is um like understanding stigma and understanding like um how things like media personification of people with schizophrenia is so dramatized and it's so theatrical and and it is and it paints people who suffer from schizophrenia as that big word that you were talking about earlier as monsters you know the only times it's funny the only times that i've heard about schizophrenia in um in the context of media was on two shows criminal minds and ncis 
those are the two shows that I could I, I, that I could when after we had a conversation and I started to think about okay what are the, some of the things I want to talk with Matthew about wanting to talk about how people with schizophrenia are, are portrayed in the media and I thought when are the last times I really sat down and actually like saw schizophrenia be you know the the characterization of it like when did I see that last and I was really thinking I was like oh my god yeah that was literally the last couple times I saw it was back living with my parents watching cable tv and I saw an episode of criminal minds come on they dealt with the the the, uh, antagonist dealt with schizophrenia ncis like or, or one of those I don't know if it was exactly ncis one of those cop shows same kind of deal and I and I just and that's kind of what prompted the question of like what are the biggest misconceptions because that's something that I just you're you're the media dehumanizes people with schizophrenia and it's so hard to see because not only do you already it's seemingly and i was i've never never going to talk from an absolute of something i don't understand um but not only do you it sounds like have to deal with obviously what you're going through but then it's also like that doubt of people people already have this preconceived notion of who i am based on this one word and i'm already i'm the one who has to fight it I'm the one who's got to wake up every day and, like you said, you're caught in the middle of the ocean looking for your surfboard. So now all of a sudden, now you've got somebody driving a boat right at you too. Like, that's like, oh my God, like, give me a break here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, when COVID happened, when it started, Cecilia and the uh, students with psychosis, they started posting their group Zooms. Mm. And this happened well, 2020. I was what 40. I'm 49 now, so I'd have been 48. Mm-hmm. And I got schizophrenia at 22. I they started so I started seeing in their feeds a picture of like 10, 12 people with schizophrenia or psychosis, and they're all students. They're like your age, mm-hmm. early 20s. And they, the, you know, a day or two later, they post another group Zoom. So if you just after a while, if you scroll through, you just see dozens and dozens of pictures of people with schizophrenia or psychosis. I looked at that. I hadn't seen what we look like. Mm. I hadn't seen pictures of people with schizophrenia. I, 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 I mean, people, I, I know a handful of people in real life, in, in my own life, mm-hmm. who, who I've met, but not many. Mm-hmm. It's not like we have big events where we all get together and we don't right, have pride. Right, right yeah. In, in the media, we don't see that. Russell Crowe, A Beautiful Mind, that movie, that was huge for the schizophrenia world because it portrayed it much more accurately. Mm-hmm. And... But seeing all these photos of, of people, whatever age, just people in general with schizophrenia, I'm like, I've never seen so many people like that. Mm-hmm. And it made me think, you know, we just, we're just not seen. Yeah. It, and like, oh, so that's what we look like. And we all look like normal. We don't have, head, you know, horns coming out of our yeah. heads. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> pictures of people. Yeah. And and they they post a little bio about some of them saying you know my name's so and so I live in whatever country I'm studying astronomy these are my interests and you read all these different bios they've got wide variety of interests just like people in general mm-hmm. it's like it's like because you're left-handed or mm-hmm. because maybe you wear glasses oh my gosh he might kill somebody yeah he, he wears glasses you got to watch out for those people who wear glasses yeah it's those left-hand folks you gotta yeah you gotta keep an eye on. It, it's the same stats yeah. and one person you don't talk about people who are left-handed and then and then one person was with, who's left-handed kills somebody mm. oh my gosh he killed somebody it must be because he's left-handed right but I, I will say that schizophrenia it can impact your mind mm-hmm. and i know there's i mean there's interplay there i don't i don't know much about that to be honest of course uh, 
my main point is just that the bulk of us are peaceful. Yeah. And we just want to get on with our day. Yeah. Just, and, and that's the thing, just like what I would like to, you know, or hopefully, I mean, geez, sometimes it's, it's, sometimes I doubt it, but like, like I would think most of humanity is. You've got a lot of good people, and then you've got like, and I, I love the analogy of like, if somebody with blonde hair, you know, goes out and does something heinous, nobody thinks, oh, it's blonde hair, it's this, it's that. If somebody, you know, and that's the thing is like, even, even now I think if like, you know, we talk about so many mental illnesses, we talk about them differently. And I think that that's kind of like a, something that needs to be addressed because you should talk about them differently because they are very different. But I think that there should be still that level of care and that level of understanding that should go into all of it. Um, But even like, you know, if somebody with anxiety went out and did something terrible, I don't think it'd be everybody with anxiety, but because there's such a choice, few individuals like you said you haven't met a copious amount of people that you can fill a concert hall uh with who have schizophrenia as soon as something like that happens you single you're singled out because you're a you're a a smaller group so it's like oh hey look at those folks over there yeah one of them and there's only a couple of them so if one of them you know did it because i've only seen a few you know people with this illness in my life now all of a sudden i'm just going to create this label i'm just going to say boom just right over there um you know what kind of things do you think whether it's uh, in classrooms or or just in general or in workplaces, like as somebody who has suffered with schizophrenia, who has went on to tell their story, to share their experiences and advocate for people who have shared that same illness, what are things that like need to be understood and taught about schizophrenia? Because I think that that's a huge aspect of the world of mental health is how are we like setting a new precedent for the understanding of mental illnesses. And that starts with the youth that starts with workplaces. It starts at home. It starts with conversation and education. And I, I, I'm really curious to know like where you think that where, what information you think is really, really important that we need to teach and where do we teach it? One is empathy and kindness. Mm. And just, uh, we can, I mean, there's so many movies with villains in them, Hmm. so many movies. And, uh, if we can just look out at people in our own community and not be thinking, oh, that guy's nasty or that guy's bad. I mean, it's uh, just more kindness and understanding. And uh, someone I know, uh, they well, her daughter is asked to escort certain uh, convicts from the prison to the courthouse. She's asked specifically because she has a very calming influence on them. Mm. And I, I, I wish more people would try to have more calmness inside them, more understanding, more empathy, and not see somebody and get scared. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Right. You know, if someone with schizophrenia is walking down the street, talk to themselves. Well, they're talking to themselves. It doesn't mean that they're going to kill you. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's more empathy, uh, spending time. Mm. They say one of the best ways to uh, 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 stop or prevent r- racism is spending time with people of other races and cultures. Mm-hmm. It's uh, spend time with people with schizophrenia. Spend time with me. Tell me yeah. a joke. Yeah, I-, I would love if people would try to make could, could make me laugh. Tell me yeah, jokes. Yeah, absolutely. Amuse me. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that. It's good, man. Um, it, yeah, please. And so the other thing is that. There's a book I found. It's what police officers use to deal with people. 
uh, the author is George Thompson, Thompson with a P. Mm. The book is called Verbal Judo. And the subtitle is The Gentle Art of Persuasion. And it's changed my life. It, it's helped me so much in dealing with people. And it's, 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 I believe it should be taught in schools. It's, I, I think it should be uh, required reading for every human being on the planet. Mm. It's, uh, it, it's just made me uh, not, it, it's given me more confidence. It's, it's, it's made me understand people. It's, it's the crux of it is finding out where, finding out where people are and you know what what mood are they in what state are they in and you have to be able to read body language and have emotional intelligence for that but you can it's it's when you find out where somebody is you talk from their frame of reference not yours and you walk hand in hand they call it judo because in judo you're not sparring butting heads against each other you're if someone comes at you with a blow whether it's you know uh, harsh words or as a police officer a gun or a knife, you you, but this is with verbal judo. Of it's course, all yeah. with words. So it's uh, you you take the blow, you sidestep, you side st- step to the side, mm-hmm. and let the blow go past, and you just wear out your wear out the person attacking you, uh, just by sidestepping all these blows, and that's what verbal judo is: not reacting, mm. staying calm. And it's the, the book, it's got other stuff in there. It, it's helped me so much. And I just, I, it's one of the top books I recommend to people. I definitely, it sounds like I got to pick it up, man. I, it, it sounds like a really cool, like I love the idea of verbal judo. It makes a lot of sense. Um, what would you say based on, uh, cause this is obviously an area where uh, I've got a, a huge soft spot, Charlotte County, love it. Um, home sweet home and uh, home sweet home for both of us. And it's so funny, and I'm so happy that you. Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna pound this nail and through the wood at this point. But I'm so happy that you reached out um, because not only did you know you have just an incredible story, but you got a, an incredible story that's like from my backyard. You know what I mean? Like this is we would have uh, grown up and lived just like one town over from each other, and that's and that's yeah. so fantastic. Um, one of the things, that I'm, and I'm asking this admittedly a bit selfishly because I never uh, up until. I started the podcast. I never talked to a soul, not my parents, not my friends, not teachers, really nobody uh, about the extent of the mental health issues that I was dealing with. Um, and like, I, I just kind of want to know, like being in these small communities, like what was your, like, how do you think you were perceived? I know that's a bit of a loaded question, but like, what was your experience like having a mental illness that is so notoriously misunderstood uh, in a town that is so rural and, and at times might have trouble understanding something so intricate. Yeah, I, so I grew up and I was quote unquote normal mm-hmm, and right. then I, I, I left my hometown, went off to university and was back here on the weekends. So I've only, uh, I mean, I live here and now, mm-hmm. but I was away for 29 years. Right. True. And, but, but back here on the weekends. So, I, the people I met when I was, you know, living away from Charlotte County, they never saw the real me. Mm. And that always bothered me. I'd come back to come back here to see my friends. And I'm like, oh, it was really, it was just, I'd get a sense of relief because I knew they'd seen the real me. They knew that schizophrenia wasn't just me. That wasn't all there was to me. They, mm. they could, there was a whole other side to me that, that, that they'd seen for the first 17 years of my life. Yeah. And it was, I felt uh, very relieved by that. Mm-hmm. 
it's I, I I never had any bullying or abuse from my friends. I I I mean later on uh, in my later on way later on in my recovery, I had a little bit of some people giving me some hard times, mm-hmm. but it was uh, I was pretty lucky. It's uh, I yeah yeah it's uh i always uh you know i guess i don't know if there was a there was an element of fear uh on my end of um you know public perception i was always somebody who struggled a lot with uh the idea of um perfection i had uh, i really thought that i had to be uh you know the perfect son perfect student perfect athlete perfect everything um and that the fact that like i was fighting so hard on the inside i thought like i had to try extra hard to keep this super calm in control exterior uh and i think the idea of letting people see this um you know the quote-unquote real me uh was something that i was really scared of for a while uh and i think that that's just kind of what uh you know prompted the question for sure uh is it um you know working with uh and and i want to transition the conversation just a touch um because I was just kind of thinking like growing up in a rural community, working in rural towns and being like around people. Um, I know for me, it made my sense of community so much stronger. Like this idea of you, the people around you are what you got. And, um, you know, I, the fact that you're now working with communities in third uh, developing countries um, and you're working to like, raise awareness and, and also about like what these people are, about what these people are going through. Um, you know, did being from a small town play any kind of role in what you now do for work? I never thought about that. Actually. I, I do know that when I was, I mean, the whole from a small town thing, I never thought about that, but I do know going through my disease, uh, my heart went out to people who, who not only, I mean, I, I went through, mental illness in Canada with mm-hmm. one of the better mental health care system, better mental health care systems, although it needs a lot of work. And just on that note, Shakara Saxena of the UN, well, of Harvard University, he spoke at the UN, he said every country, when it comes to mental health care is a developing country. Mm-hmm. True. So I, my heart went out to people who I mean, I, I went through mental illness here and in, and in a very sleepy part of Canada, I wasn't I, I was really thankful I wasn't in New York City or LA, big cities like that, because there's just so much more going on. I was very, just the whole visual thing. I, I uh, just things coming at me. Uh, that was that was things coming at me in Charlotte County. I mean, then nothing comes out in Charlotte County. <laughs> Don't I know it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But it wasn't until 2016, 2017, and I stumbled upon this TED Talk by Vikram Patel, and he talks about, it it was the first piece of information I'd found on the topic of mental health in developing countries. Mm -hmm. And I mean, my heart had gone out to people who have not just mental illness, but war or extreme poverty. Like, how do you, it's, it's, so I started researching it and I made a website. It came online in 2018. Mm -hmm mindaid.ca m-i-n-d-a-i-d.ca and uh it's i yeah it's my website it's a hub Mm -hmm. not that it gets much traffic right now but it's uh it's i link to uh many of the main other groups and people organizations working on the cause Mm -hmm. i i started researching mental health in developing countries. And I found that a lot of the information was scattered across the web. 
so my website it's it's i don't go into super you know a lot of depth on each subject or each group and thing going on but i try to steer people off in a whole bunch of different directions saying look these people are doing this these people are doing that and the main thing i do there is i steer people towards six nonprofits that i found and there may be more but this is just for my own uh mm -hmm. web-searching six nonprofits that are helping people get basic mental health care mm -hmm. in developing countries. Which is, and by the way, everybody who's listening to this podcast right now should go check out MindAid. Um, the fact that somebody like yourself is is behind something like this, like, I mean, I think it just gives so much validity to the organizations that you're helping fund. Uh, because that's just like, to, to know that you've put the work into finding who's really going in and doing the work, like that takes a lot of guesswork out of anybody who wants to uh, support the cause, which is, which is always what you want to do, streamline the process. Um, for somebody, if like somebody's like, let's say they're, they're sitting in traffic right now, they're listening to the podcast, one hand on the wheel, they're feeling a little bit sleepy and they're like, why, like, what does it even look like mental health care in a developing country? Why would I care? I'm trying to figure out my own shit. Oh, pardon me. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out my own life right now. Uh, you know, can you can you give us a, a, an explanation as to why your heart goes out to these people, um, and what kind of really prompted you to be like, okay, this is like I gotta do my part because this is an issue. Yeah, so I know. I mean, we've had debates about whether you should uh, help people at home or help people far away right. for decades, and it never gets resolved. Mm. It's a free country; we can do whatever you want. And generally, what ends up happening is people who want to. People donate to whoever they want to yeah. to help, and I've chosen them the most. I mean, I, I'll, I'll help, I'll help wherever I can, of but course. I'm focusing on helping countries the most because I believe they need the help the most. Mm -hmm. And the good news in this is the model of basic mental health care. That, that I mean, this is a, the World Health Organization has approved these these this model of basic mental health care. It's modeled after uh, models of physical basic physical health care where there's no doctor for 200 miles how do you fix a broken leg there are actually guides for that so they modeled a mental health care system after that using mm. basic mental health care and what they do is they go into a community they teach some of the people there they handpick people uh, with some basic skills in different could be many different a wide variety of things and they teach them how to administer basic mental health care to people in their own community mm. it's it's low cost it's proven effective and it's scalable. And the World Health Organization is trying to figure out the best way to roll it out to the masses. Mm. In the meantime, I found these six nonprofits. If people want to donate to them, I mean, the worst part in this, this is the this is the kicker. There are hundreds of thousands of people in 60 countries. They don't say millions. They estimate there are over well there are there there are over 270 million people in developing countries with no mental health care they mm. need it they can't get it wow. but there are hundreds of thousands of people in 60 countries who are actually they've got mental illness but they're actually kept in chains they're tied to a tree tied oh to God. a bed yeah with their with their foot through a log they're they're tied in the in the sh the back the shed and they don't know how to deal with them that's and wow. yeah it's I mean, uh, I was lucky. I just wasn't in a straitjacket. A hundred years ago, I could have been in a straitjacket for my. I mean, I don't. It's it's yeah it's yeah horrible. yeah yeah. And it's I. And anyway, it's uh, for people listening. So anyway, I was really happy because 
uh, when was it? a year, but a year or so ago, Robin Williams' son, Zach Williams, yeah, yeah, yeah. and some other people, Tim Shriver, who created the Special Olympics, uh, Allison Janney, she's a the TV show star from the West, the West Wing TV mm-hmm. show, and some others, they started and will help promote the, it's called Hashtag Break the Chains. Mm. We've got a website. I, I, I steer people towards the website on my website, right up at the top, Hashtag Break the Chains. You'll see it on my website. And you can go there, you can sign a pledge. They are, and I was so happy to see that. It's, it's a nice, fancy looking website and with a lot of, lot of energy, a lot of gumption behind it. And I was really happy to see that. It's uh, with people trying to unchain people. Yeah. They go in, they, they give them basic mental health care. They, they unchain them, they get them treated. And some people, in some communities, people are like, well, does this really work? You know, you know what's happening here? But when they see somebody who is, you know, had, had to be tied to a tree or they're walking around disheveled and, and severely mentally disabled and they see them so much further down the road having gotten treatment and mm-hmm. they're working in a field, they're tending a fruit stand, they're being productive. Mm-hmm. They're actually being productive in their community. That is huge and they see that and they say oh this really works yeah and they want more of it mm-hmm. so it's pretty yeah, incredible any, yeah like yeah i know it's uh it is one of those things that i think that that is i think perspective is a beautiful thing and i think uh you know hearing stories like yours um gives me perspective personally and then hearing about experiences like that i think it's just you're just like wow to think that like you know somebody who i'm you know, you, you use the example of the fact that a hundred years ago you could have been in a straitjacket, uh, and even to this day, still people are in chains. In chains, this isn't even you know there, there's there's no humanity in that, um, and the fact that that's happening today on our planet um, when we have the means to break the chains is is you know it's it's huge, and and I appreciate the fact that you're you know you are. are taking the time to raise awareness about it and doing the work and just honestly, Matthew, like again, thank you so much um, just for, for all that you do and uh, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. And I think that it's uh, you know, I think it's going to help a lot of people, if not anything, just to understand a little bit more about something that might be a bit of a gray area for them. Um, The last thing I want to do before we end today uh, is I love to give out a challenge to my listeners, uh, something that they can implement day, week, month, year, doesn't matter. So life, something that they can implement into their, uh, their livelihood, um, to just live a happier, more fulfilled, more understanding life, um, a healthier life, anything. And given your experience, given all of the work that you do currently within advocacy, which is incredible, your lived experience, which is powerful. I, I would really love to know like what challenge you would put forth to anybody who's listening to this episode right now. I put a challenge out on uh, one. Of, well, I've got a YouTube channel. I put a challenge out there. Challenge for humor, mm. believe it or not. Joke. When COVID hit, I'm like, okay, I was doing well in my recovery. I was almost at the end of it. And I'm like, no, 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 you're not going to rain on my parade, COVID. Yeah. I, I wanna... <laughs> so after the first two weeks in March 2020, I watched the news for a couple weeks, mm-hmm. found out what I had to do. And then I stopped watching a lot less news. I started watching comedy. So I'm like, no, I, I need to laugh. Yeah. I, I really need to laugh. I need to joke here. And Al Narenberg, he's got a documentary called Laughology. Mm. And it, it says that 80% of the population has, get this, chronic seriousness. 
were stressed for, for, I mean, I, it was hard for me to tell jokes for years because of my disease. I mean, we've all got our reasons, Totally. but if you can add some levity, tell a joke to somebody, that's my challenge. Mm. We, we, we all say, we all say, you know, we all have a sense of humor. We all do. We all, some of us are quiet. We don't laugh much, but we have, we, we enjoy comedy. Mm. Most of us enjoy comedy, but how often do you try to tell jokes to other people? Mm-hmm. How often do you I, I'm as guilty as an ex person because I it, it's uh, because of my disease or whatever, it, and I, I'm I'm trying. I try to throw out more jokes to people, mm. and that's my challenge. How many jokes did you for your listeners? How many jokes did you? How many times did you try to tell make somebody somebody laugh today? It's uh, tomorrow. Try to make one person laugh. Just just have it in the back of your head. Just try to try to think of a joke here. I love when that. people make me laugh. I'm so thankful for it. It's like ah oh, yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, give me a little chuckle. I, I've been told ever since I uh, started growing the mustache out, I've been told I'm pretty funny looking. So that might be a good place to start. Uh, you know, my listeners have definitely, uh, definitely quote. That's a, that's a quote directly from them. Um, Matthew, honestly, man, like Charlotte County, uh, you know, connection. Uh, I'm, I, it took me forever to get back to your, uh, to get you to your message, but I'm so happy that we had the chance to, uh, to sit down and do this. I have, I have all the faith in the world that I'll have you that we'll be able to have another conversation because this has just been awesome. super enlightening for me. I'm sure it's been super enlightening for anybody listening. And the fact that like for an hour we got to sit down and I got to learn something today. I am, I am unbelievably thankful for that. And, uh, and just know that any way that I or life's a wreck or, you know, anybody who's within our organization can help, uh, what you're doing, never hesitate to reach out. Um, I just think you're doing some really incredible work. I think you're an incredible person and, uh, it's been, uh, it's been a pleasure, man, for sure. Thanks. Everyone enjoyed talking here, but I appreciate, uh, the opportunity. Uh, thank you so much. Of course. So can I, can I just say one more thing? Yeah, of course. So I've got a Facebook group and I'm trying to encourage more people. I mean, I'm just one person fighting this cause. I mean, most people don't even know about mental health in developing countries, Mm. but I believe if it was mainstream conversation, it was all over the news, everybody heard about it. Millions of people would want to help in small ways, large ways and anywhere in between. Mm -hmm. I started a Facebook group. There's about 60 members in there now. People are welcome to join that. And just, I want to create a hub where people can meet, you know, they're like-minded people wanting to help the cause in any way whether it's large or small join the group and just start meeting some of the people there there's not a whole, i just started it um the summer mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of traction in there but i'm happy that it's made and i want to keep doing stuff like that and getting more people i, I can only do so much yeah I, I absolutely know there are other people out there who would want to help so yeah hey man listen i'll uh, i'll definitely i'll definitely be popping into the uh, facebook group for sure send me the link i'll put in the uh, description of this episode and uh yeah we'll awesome. uh, yeah more than happy to join uh, join the community for sure oh thanks so much kyle of course man around 30 minutes in i don't even want to do any of the like the whatever like i just want to jump right into this around 30 minutes in one of my biggest takeaways from the episode um I'm a huge believer in, in passion and seeing what sparks something in someone. Um, and I think that like someone's tone and intention and body language, I think that like that speaks volumes and around 30 minutes in to this episode, when Matthew was talking about understanding schizophrenia and misconceptions, you could just, you could just hear the emotion, how like you could hear all of it. Absolutely. You can hear that misunderstanding, you know, that, that desire to have his disease be understood and not just like innately feared just the word to have an opportunity to be seen as a person first and not have your literally just the 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 
perception of your disease precede you dude that's stigma that is that is textbook stigma and that's such a basic human want like i i know it can be intimidating to try and accept something that is perceived as as scary or or something that you don't understand but you know what's worse than that is being perceived as scary before somebody even gets to know you i'm just so glad we had the opportunity to learn about something that's you know for us it's kind of been arm's length in, in this field. Yeah, man, I, this is, this is why we do this, man. It's like, you know, share these stories, like do the thing, like do it now and always, man. Of course. Thank you guys for tuning in today and make sure to check out Matthew's, uh, You can see all of his work and, and follow us on socials because you know, who doesn't want to see just your, your favorite podcasts content. So, you know, do that. The description will have all of those, uh, all of those links. Uh, just know that we love you guys. We appreciate you guys. And just remember life's a wreck. I'm going to get more food. And we'll see you in two weeks. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.